comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. Foot race the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me as always is uh, he, a guy that's also not going to the 2020 Olympics, uh, Logan Stone. <laughs> <laughs> what if I do go though? Uh, just not with the, with the men's team. I'll go with the women's team because they know how to qualify to for tournaments. Um, yeah. Um, oh, gosh, thanks Jordan. No, I'm just sad. Yeah, that was, uh, look, we just talked about this on the episode that you'll hear tomorrow, right? Uh, cause we like to record things out of order. But we <laughs> we did record a preview for this game that is lost to time. Uh, not, not sure what happened to it. We recorded it on Skype. It never came to us. So you didn't get to hear my prediction that we would lose 2-1 to one due to an Ochoa back pass that uh, – no, I'm just kidding. I wasn't that accurate. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I did say, and Logan can back me up on this, that I, I thought we'd qualify, but that I had a very bad feeling about this matchup and a very bad feeling about this game. They're the ones that knocked us out years ago that uh, Honduras has qualified for three straight. And it was something that I was very worried about going into this match. Uh, I've asked for him. He, I mean, hit it pretty much on the head when we were talking. Um, it, it did. It was just, you know, going into the game, you, you just felt, you felt somewhat confident, but then again, uh, some of the matches they had played, I know against Mexico, uh, even against Dominican. Um, and then going back to the Costa Rica match, I mean, it just seemed like we struggled to get in anything in the attack and creating any kind of chances. Um, and you, you nailed it. I mean, you said, you know, with, with the pressure that, that, um, that what in the world am I blanking out? Honduras puts on uh, the U S uh, you thought that it could be a struggle and it was, <laughs> it was uh, really, really tough to watch um, just uh, all around just, And we'll get more into it later on in the episode. Um, but it really is. It's just so tough to watch a team kind of just really, I guess, trend downwards during a tournament. I, they, I think they got worse as the tournament went on. So um, it, it, it is. I'm it's, not even, I'm not even sure they got worse to be yeah. honest. Uh, I, I feel like, the way that they were playing was um, look that, that Costa Rica game maybe was the high point in the sense of they could have scored a lot more and didn't. Um, and, you know, had some chances 
that Fiera, you know, had missed. Uh, look, the Dominican Republic game was shambolic for the first 60 minutes. Um, and that is the one I was kind of worried about. Like, that's when I started getting really worried about, about this team. Costa Rica is a good matchup. You know, you're, you're going to be like, okay, we won one nil. It should have been three nil or whatever. We're fine. Right. Take the three points, move on. But the, the win against the Dominican Republic did not feel like a win. Um, it felt like, it felt like a loss because it, yeah, we scored what four, but it took 30 minutes, uh, 60 minutes, you know, 30 minutes before it's supposed to end for us to do that. And that should not have been an issue. And that was a testament to not bringing creative players. It's not like there's not creative players in the pool. Eric, you know, Eric Williamson of the, uh, of the Timbers was available. Um, this is an indictment on Jason Christ, and we're going to get into his post-show comments, uh, post-game comments as well. But he, uh, look, I, I don't know what happened. He fell off a cliff when he left RSL because he, he, he was good there. I'm not really sure what happened, but he goes to NYCFC and failed there. He goes to, uh, and I remember when they signed him at NYCFC, I was like, oh my God, they got him from RSL. This, he's going to build that team up. He's going to be great. No, they failed. He he and he did okay there. Really, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like how they're probably going to be this year. But then you get him going to Orlando and failed. He's an assistant coach at Inter Miami, and what we we just hand him this job after failures at NYCFC in Orlando. I don't get it. Why didn't we go out and get somebody better? And I don't want to hear people saying Todd Ramos should have kept the job either because he failed to qualify as well. Once they fail to qualify, they should be done. It's the same thing that happened with the men's team when we got rid of Klinsman because he wasn't qualifying and we got rid of Bruce after he did not qualify. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, looking at just everything as a whole, um, it it seems like just a really bad dream. Uh, it seems like, and Taylor Twelman went off, Stu Holden was going off, Lexi Lawless was going off, um, guys that have formerly played, um, just, you know, really talking about how disheartening it is and and did give perspective from the players like the players and that's what i hate i hate when twitter tax players like it's not david ochoa's fault he would we wouldn't even be in the conversation had david ochoa not done what he did against costa rica um it is it's a it's a really sad day and i know we'll get more into it but i did have something that that'll lighten the mood just a little i i love the did you see the tweet that the men and blazers put out that said just because we have stock of, of coaching training kits and coaches sweatsuits and stuff that have jk on it doesn't mean we have to hire somebody with the initials jk <laughs> I did not see that. Uh, so they were like, the people were coming up with different names that they could like think of. It, I mean, player, it was like players, random players and coaches from everywhere that, that could fit the bill. But, oh yeah, we could get Jonathan Klinsman now, yeah, uh, the, right? the goalkeeper. Right, or Jason Kidd, the basketball coach. Yes. <laughs> it was like random people that they were just like naming uh, Joker, like yeah, you could have Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, yeah. So just Jurgen Klopp, ran, yeah. random people. That would be just, that. Jurgen Klopp would be uh, very <laughs> would, good for the U twenty threes. I would say so. we would qualify. I think so. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to this episode because we're going to deep dive it. And can I also say, let's not blame the media. I, I don't get what that's about. I saw people saying that, like you know that you know the do you know the uh, meme where it is Eric Andre like saying he like shoots the person in the chair behind him and he says why would they do that to us right and it's yeah. like and if somebody put that as like the u.s media uh 
shooting the Olympic hopes and saying, why would the U.S. soccer do this to it? That makes no sense. Yeah, the media is not the one on the pitch. The media is not the one picking the players. Just because you think that they build up some of these players because they're MLS players, that means nothing. These players should have qualified. I don't care. They should have qualified. Jason Christ should have picked better players as well that he had at his disposal. I'm not going to blame Atlanta for not releasing their players because – FIFA doesn't mandate them to because it's the Olympics. FIFA doesn't like the Olympics because they think it would take away from the World Cup. So I can't put any blame on Atlanta who wants to – look, we always say the importance of winning the Champions League, but then we get mad at Atlanta for not releasing their young players to the Olympics. Both of these things are important, but for Atlanta, they get nothing if these players really make the Olympics, right? They need those players – to get far in the champions league. So I don't blame them. Yes. I would have loved miles Robinson and Bello and stuff to be on the team, but look, let's not blame the media. Let's not blame the clubs. It is down to Jason Christ. It is down to the players. Ochoa was great. This whole tournament. What's he doing? Uh, what's he, what's, why is he waiting to make the pass? It's, it's frustrating because part of that is just the symptom of playing it out of the back that we'll get into more here in a bit but you know playing it out of the back yes it creates more possession it's great but you you can do that but also know when to boot it it's not like you either play out the back or you play hoof ball where you're hoofing it up the field you can play both yes you're losing possession there but you're out of danger and guess what one of your midfielders hopefully steals the ball intercepts it and then they hold on to the possession again it, it shouldn't be like I'm going to stand right here with the ball with the defender three feet in front of me, and I'm going to pause and wait to make a pass. And then I make the pass. He reads the pass and it hits off him and goes in the goal. It's frustrating. I, it's so many frustrating things about this um, that, that I'm sure we'll get into, but why don't we go ahead and take a break? Let's take a break and try to cool down a bit. And then we'll uh, on the other side of this, uh, uh, really go in depth with with what happened and look at crisis post game the stateside soccer show talking the beautiful game in the land of the free breaking down major league soccer u.s men's national team and more with logan and jordan all right so we are back from our break are you are you cooled down a bit logan or are you still fuming no i'm still fuming dude come on same yeah there's no point of a break right but uh behind the scenes there was a point for the break but anyway (laughs) (laughs) don't tell them (laughs) anyway uh so let's dig into it you know jason christ do you have his comments pulled up no but i can get there uh yeah let's uh, let's pull those up and uh why don't you go on uh for a little bit of a rant here um while i pull those up for us these comments should make your blood boil. I've seen a few people that want to excuse him from these comments. I've seen some people that are rightly saying, you're the coach. Uh, and uh, that was my reaction. So let's go ahead and get those comments pulled up. All right. So you got him? Uh, okay. Yeah. He was asked, uh, Jason. <laughs> okay, Chrysler- sorry. I was being a little optimistic there. No, I, was like, I don't no. know if he has them yet. I got him. I got him. <laughs> so, uh, Jason Christ on the struggles and the attack. Right. So I'm going to read you two uh, chunks of his uh, comments and then Jordan, you can react and then I'll I'll react after you. But um, the first one, I don't know that I've ever seen a game where we've had players miscontrol the ball so much 
balls running, rolling under people's feet, passing out of bounds. These are things that are just really, you kind of scratch your head. You're thinking, what's going on here? But, you know, I also have been around the game enough in our country at a pro level to tell you that this is what you see in preseason. He goes on later to say, I think the first half looked a lot like the Dominican Republic first half. We have players that aren't moving. We have people on the ball that aren't committing to defender or committing defenders to make decisions to open up spaces. We have guys that look like they just don't really want the ball. And so, you know, again, it just kind of goes back to mostly mentality for me. That's my opinion right now. I could be wrong, but you know, I just, I think at the end of the day, it just wasn't quite there from a confidence point of view. (laughs) So why wasn't there any confidence? That's an easy answer. I think. Go ahead. Go nuts, Jordan. <laughs> for, for me, it's – look, some of that obviously is going to be player mentality, but I think the coaches have a big part of that. I think he also mentioned in one of the other comments we didn't have there about how, hey, you're going to lose more in this sport than you win. Yes. Uh, that's not true. There's teams that obviously win more than they lose. So the mentality shouldn't be, eh, it is what it is. We lose, we lose. Because that is not helping the players at all. Look, and, and look, I'm not saying this is a big indicative thing of the system as a whole, because I look at Greg Burhalter's team and I think their confidence is outstanding. I think these players are always smiling. They're having fun. I didn't see that in this squad. And I think part of it is Jason Christ's uh, management style. And when he's complaining about players kicking out of bounds and that, you know, that just happens in preseason look, I don't know the rules. Can't we call them in earlier then to have more warm up So we're fit. Oh, shouldn't these players, maybe we can give these players a heads up and say, Hey, you're probably going to get selected. Make sure you're in tip top shape. They can work out themselves. I don't know. Just start thinking outside the box here. And also it's, it's like, Oh, they have just, they're just kicking out of bounds. They don't want to be on the ball again. That's, a coaching thing even even the goal from Ochoa is not an issue of him not wanting to be on the ball he wanted to be on the ball too much that's something where you say hey if you're in this danger zone kick it out you know and look I'm not in the room with Jason Christ so maybe he does tell these players this and maybe they're just not listening and maybe pick different players there was other players he could have brought in you know Ibobasi, uh Eric Williamson you know like we've mentioned these players uh throughout this whole time and it's just frustrating because I feel like he's not taking any ownership on this at all. Right. He's just like, "Eh, it happens in preseason. Well, it's your job to make it work or else we're never going to qualify because this comes around every time during preseason. How do you look at, I mean, because we, of course, you want to harp on selection, but I, I, I'm honestly curious the best player in the match yesterday, maybe besides Jackson Ewell, is Tanner Tessman. When he came on that last, I think it was like 20 minutes, Tanner Tessman was their best creator. And he's not really known for his creative abilities yet. Um, and, and then you look at guys like, uh, and, and you know, just to pick on Jesus Ferreira, one goal with FC Dallas and MLS, he plays 19 matches. He's got one goal, right? Um, and that's where I think a lot of that conversation comes in for Ibobasi, right? I think that somebody that's proven that can goal, you know, get goals. I think somebody that's 
got kind of the tenacious uh, ability to just get into free space, which he does have, right? He's got more of this kind of, and I don't know if it's, uh, you know, lack of effort or if it's lack of just, or just having more skills and ability, but it seems like a Bobasi has so much more ease. Um, he had eight goals last year for the Timbers. He's got so much more fluidity in the pitch and he, he gets open and open space. He gets a head on the ball in a yes. corner. We have no yes. players that could do that. Right. You have, it's the Bobasi thing is mind boggling because it was, especially when it came out that it was just, player preference right i'm like what i thought for sure he was a lock for this team and instead we're going with jesus fair which is fine yeah. sebastian, sebastian soto he did okay for the men's team but he's also only been playing in like second tier teams right now the good thing is he's in form but we it's not like we even really used him right i mean uh he didn't it, it, it is frustrating and for me i'm looking at uh you know i saw people saying for oh you know we didn't have our best players available or you know uh you know we lost uli uh lions uh, i can't even ever say his name um Giannis. yeah Giannis, because it's yeah. two l's and that's yeah, not how a, i feel like it should be said yeah. but yeah it's Giannis. okay there you go and people saying yeah, but here's the thing. He's still kind of unproven too, right? He's got upside. It, all these He's players, Jesus Ferrero. <laughs> and I, I said this during our Dominican Republic game. Some of these players are professionals for years. They should not be struggling against 16-year-old Dominican Republic players. They shouldn't be, and they were. And uh, when we look at this match, a lot of it came down to individual mistakes uh, with with playing it out the back at times or, or being, I want to say, too comfortable in the ball at times. And then also just bad giveaways. You, you mentioned uh, Tessman, but I, there were some times where he was just trying to make something happen. He just boots it upfield and, and there's nobody there, right? Or the person's not going to get to it. And it gets like, it was like the last minute of the game. He hoofs it up. There's nobody there. Yeah, the goalkeeper catches it yeah. and it's over right? Some of it is, is refing, you know, there was a really bad call on that uh, Lewis, Jonathan Lewis run in the box where they tried to say he fouled the, the Honduras player. That's bull crap. And anybody that wants to put the blame on MLS, just get over it. We, we just spoke with Ori, uh, which you're going to hear tomorrow, but um Ori Benatar of uh, covering the crew for massive report. You'll hear that interview tomorrow, but you know, we mentioned in there that MLS is getting better and, and that CONCACAF itself is getting better, right? All these CONCACAF teams are getting better because, and I'm not saying the Honduras team fits into this because I think a lot of their players actually were playing from the Honduras league. But when you look at teams like Jamaica and you look at teams like, uh, you know, Curacao even, and all these teams that are starting to get better Dominican Republic and all this, some of their players, Costa Rica, some of their players are playing in MLS and then start for them and they get the job done. So it's not like we can sit there and say always, well, the U S MLS players are not cutting it. There is a coaching issue I don't even want to say it's a coaching issue because I feel like it was a decision issue. We, we'd mentioned it before, but 
why are we hiring Jason Christ for this position? Has anything led us to think that he's going to be good for the U23s when he's failed at Orlando and NYCFC? You know, people are talking about Jim Curtin maybe taking it. You know, he's worked with youth all of his life. He's, you know, the union manager. He's had some success. Look, that would probably be good for the next or, you know, to the second set of it. But is he going to want to go take that job on? Because it's not really a full-time job and he's getting good, you know, out there with the union. It's it's like, I don't know. For me, it's accountability. It's It's coaching you should be able to help set up your team where they're not scared uh, to touch the ball or that they're not just going to kick it out of bounds or, uh, you know, make, I know like making wayward passes is going to be some of the fitness stuff, but I don't know. It's your job to fix it. It's not my job to fix it. I'm sitting here trying to tell Logan how to fix it right now. And it's not my job to fix it. It it was Jason Christ's job to fix it. I mean, hire us and we'll fix it. Um, but, you know, like, I, and I hate, I hate the fact that people are like, oh, well, okay, so no Olympics, but just qualify for World Cup. And um, Taylor Twelvin basically summed it up the best that I heard it last night. It's not about, you know, it, like Olympics is second in nature because World Cup's number one. It's more about like, these are guys that they're going to have to rely on in World Cup qualifying and nation's league nation's league right that you've got these younger kids that are going to have to step up as depth pieces yes they might not be the starting 11 if everybody's healthy god for you know god forbid somebody gets hurt um where you're gonna have to play some of these guys um but this is all about learning how to win and learning how to win in situations that are difficult learning how to win in situations without making excuses and i think that that's what christ does he allows if he didn't mean it in that way he was at least trying to lend an excuse like my guys are out of shape my guys are out of you know don't blame that but that like no and if you ask the players i guarantee you 100 percent of them will say we should have qualified and i guarantee you that those comments didn't really sit very well with the team because they they don't think of it as you know we need excuses coach we should have handled our business and you know i don't know if it was excuses or if he was trying to kind of throw them under the bus It, it did have kind of like that kind of nastier feel when you hear the video um, of him saying it. It, it, it did kind of have a weird way that he kind of worded like, Hey, my players I, I just read it. Competing. I just read it and listened to it as it happens. <laughs> That's how I yeah. heard it. Uh, and I don't think he was intentionally trying to throw them under the bus. I think he's just trying to say, it's not the player's fault. It's not my fault. It's just the way it happened this time. Circumstances. And that's it. So yeah, just blame it on circumstances. Yeah. But again, we're a better team. We, we, we had better talent. You, you know, I think that you had a, a way better selection at talent that, than you had. Um, and I, I do think that, you know, going forward that whoever steps into that spot, I don't imagine he'd be around much longer. Um, I, I think that you really have to see somebody step in. Like you said, Jordan, I, I honestly think that that was the best name I heard. And I know Curtin probably doesn't want any part of that, uh, especially if this is how it's going to go. Um, but you know, you really do start to wonder, can the United States get somebody Tab Ramos doesn't succeed. He doesn't, you know, they, they bring in Christ. He doesn't succeed. Who, who are you going to bring in? I mean, the U S isn't going to grab some of these top talents that you think as a U.S. fan, they might be able to grab because there's just so many other better opportunities right now. Here's who I want. 
Okay. I'm not going to say a name because I don't have a name, but I want somebody that's not going to say we're going to lose more than we win. I don't want anybody that's going to say uh, it's just the way it happened this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want anybody mm-hmm. to just be like, oh, my players were hitting it out of the park. I don't know what's going on. I have to take a look <laughs> at it later. That is mind boggling. As somebody that used to be a Jason Christ fan uh, at his time at RSL, you know, it's like, so what were you doing the whole time? You don't not see this happening. You don't see this happening on the pitch and yelling at your players like, "Hey, let's not kick it out of bounds." Um, can I can but, I add a point there? Like, yeah, yeah, go right ahead. there because it fits. The fact that Jackson Ewell plays higher than he'd ever played all tournament after they went down two nil just speaks, and it was so late in the game. It speaks to the fact that Christ just it doesn't seem like he was able to just adjust on the fly like he should have been able to. Oh, it's like, it's like I need a drink and I don't even drink, you know, that's how it feels. Neither of us do really. (laughs) Look, I I get it. People trying to, you know, just be like, well, it wasn't our A team. It wasn't even our B team. It wasn't even our C team. Uh, That's just ludicrous. I I think we should have qualified. We had the chances to qualify it. You know, this was a do or die game. Uh, I had this feeling in the pit of my stomach since the Costa Rica match, since the Costa Rica match. And I know that, you know, we both said we thought they were going to qualify. Um, I don't think they're going to qualify anymore. Yeah, me neither. I, I, I think now every time, because this show is going to go on for years, the next time yeah. we do Columbia qualify, <laughs> I'm going to say we're not going to. I'm, I'm going to say, I don't think we can do it until yeah. you prove it. Now. Yeah? yeah. Because look, I've had enough of it. I, I get that it doesn't always reflect on the national team because Honduras, you know, doesn't always qualify for the World Cup, but they've qualified for three straight um, Olympics. And I get a lot of our best young players were not going to be released by their clubs or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it it's important to qualify for these tournaments to get them that tournament experience. And I don't know how many times I have to say this. Yep, I know yep. I didn't have a platform the last yep. time I said this because I had a <laughs> podcast back then, but I was ranting to my dad about this and to my friends about this the last time it happened. And I I'm getting tired of saying that we should have qualified, just qualify. Uh, I'm getting tired of it, you know, for the world cup and for the Olympics and, Yes. All this stuff and people, U.S. Yes. fans saying we're going to win the World Cup in 2022 mm-hmm. or 2026, like we just talked about on the last Outside the Box. And I'm like, we can't even qualify for the Olympics. We couldn't even qualify for the World Cup in 2018. And you're already out there penciling in some person that plays in the third division of Denmark saying that they're going to be the best striker <laughs> we've ever had and that they're going to win the Golden Boot at the World Cup. That's ridiculous. That's enough. Jeez. It's, it's, it is so sad because – like you said, I mean, it's just what's uh, one after the next after the next. When you think the United States takes a step forward in the game of, of soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, they take a big giant step back. And, and this is a giant step back. And and I know we'll talk some very brief uh, U.S. men's team um, and they're watching this going, you know what? It, this is this is just a black eye on, on all of us. It, it, they said the players were watching, yeah. right? Didn't they say yeah, they, they were, were watching, watching at the hotel? Oh, yeah. They were watching up until like 2 a.m. or something crazy like that, watching the game. This is just such a black eye on United States soccer. And I think uh, Brian Weigel, a friend of the show from FC Cincy, um, 
soccer talk, um, he, he put it pretty well is, you know, it's embarrassing when he's going to have to go over the summer to like family houses or family gatherings, cookouts, yeah. we're all getting vaccinated and people are going to go to watch the Olympics and they're going to go, how come our team is never in it? Like where, where is the United States? Yeah. And, and you know what? My wife said almost the same thing. She, yeah, she looks at the, where we're putting this darn closet up, right? She's, she looks at the scoreboard. She says, why do they suck so much? And I was yeah. like, well, you know, it isn't our best U23 players, but we should still have won this game. Yes. And uh, man, it's, it's just, I, I'm not, it's going to take a while for me to get over it. And I know a lot of people no. are going to say, get over it. But no. since I've started paying attention to the men's Olympic team, We've not qualified, so maybe I just got to give up. Can you stop, Jordan, please? Yeah, I guess, um, that's, I guess that's the answer. But on a brighter note, fans, we do have the U.S. women's national team that did yeah. qualify, that beat out uh, Mexico for that world qualification for the Olympic spot. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, when you look at that side of it, uh, that 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 is what we want the men's to be because we know the men's yeah. can be well, I want to make a point to that, too, because I'm tired of people – posting stuff like why isn't the u.s in it and then people being like well the women's are and i'm like i i get that they are most people understand that they are but we still have to talk about the men's yes, team that's 50 percent you do of the u.s national team 50 percent male 50 percent female so we we still have to talk about that and you know yes we're going to you know look the, the women's already qualified for the the olympics a while ago right so there's not much to uh, to, right, to talk about there yeah. right now. When we get there, yeah, we're going to cover that. We're going to have a fun time with it. But I want to cover both. I want to cover both at the Olympics. You're not allowed to. It's, it's, I'm, I'm actually not allowed to this year. Not. Yeah. yeah. Or, or uh, I mean, I, uh, it's just, it's so deflating because you want to see both teams get there. You want to see the United States become a powerhouse of some sort in, in United or in soccer. And we're just not, we're not there. We we've never proven that we're there and, and we've got a long way to go before we actually can consider ourselves even close to contending for any kind of world cup or trophy or anything that we're, we're, we're trying to compete for. The, the frustrating thing too, is as soon as we didn't qualify for the world cup, you know, I started thinking like, okay, the, the next thing we got to do is yeah. qualify for the Olympics now. Yeah. And we didn't do that. So now the next time we're watching real meaningful games for the men's team is going to be World Cup qualifying in the fall because the Nations League, look, that's brand new. Nobody cares about that right now. The the Gold Cup, I I like winning the Gold Cup, but it's it's not important. And guess what? We're not going to have our A team there because we're probably going to be having them at the Nations League or something. So we, we, we're probably not going to win that either. And it's just, we're in too many tournaments at times and we have too many things going on and we don't know how to balance this team. And I, I get it. This is a, you know, we're a very promising young team, but as I've said a few times on here, it's not about the youth all the time. You have to have the people that have been there before. And the bad thing is when we keep missing Olympics, we don't have those players that have been there before. And when you miss world cups, you don't have the players that have been there before. And now, you know, I heard people saying that none of these players should ever represent the USA again. That, that's bullcrap. They're U 23s, you know, um, David Ochoa might be the, the future goalkeeper. <laughs> right. right. Um, it's you're looking going, like that. You're, you're going to have 
these summers where you have three or four competitions and you have to rely on some of these people that have been in this uh in this tournament and it is what it is but are you ready to talk some uh northern ireland usa yeah we might as well talk the whole camp because uh, none of our listeners heard the whole thing <laughs> oh yeah that's right we lost we i lost do have a fun lot. poll for you do you want me to kick off with the poll to kind of lead into our next thing yeah it's, yeah, it's very ahead. fun um, so I did a poll on Twitter uh, today that that was asking who people were most impressed with. And 75% of our voters picked Brendan Aronson as the person that they were most impressed with over the two game span that they had in camp. I was one of those. Yeah, there you go. So um, I did not vote this time. So um, some actual legit Brendan Aronson fans. So uh, I know that makes you happy and, and myself happy because I'm a new, uh, this is a Brendan Aronson pro podcast. Um, along with Matt Turner and uh, Sergio Aguero. So, uh, Jordan, if you want to lead us into that nice Northern Ireland game. Yeah, that was uh, – so, you know, you didn't get to hear us talk about it, but we talked about Jamaica uh, versus USA and that 4-1 victory and, you know, how well, like, you know, Pulisic didn't look great in that game. It looked okay. Uh, trying to force it too much. Reyna had an off night, but in this match, Reyna scores the goal. Yes, it was a deflection, but I think he needs that. Pulisic was playing pretty good, I thought. Uh, apparently, he said he thought he was doing really well, and that's good for him going back into this Chelsea situation that he's in. And, uh, man, Brandon Aronson, I think, is just – if he doesn't have injury problems, he is what Pulisic could be. Right. Um, I don't know if Pulisic's going to get there with his injury issues right. and and stuff like that, but I think Brendan Aronson, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Philly fan and that's where he came from, but I think people are really waking up to what Brendan Aronson can do when he's at Salzburg and in this team, he looked you know, really sharp. He would have been part of the qualifying if it took place mm-hmm. last year, which is frustrating because he would have been part of the creativity. Um, so COVID maybe risked us a chance of getting to the olympics um that's probably from crisis presser as well it but... ruins everything it, i think it was actually i'm not kidding i think he said something along the lines of like COVID 19 ha- did put a crinkle into some of our plans and, and some of these guys not being able to Jeez, participate um, um... <laughs> leave it to him he's probably blamed the flooding in nashville or any of the tornadoes and god what an awful awful press um but yeah, I thought this was a good showing. Uh, yeah, it was 2-1, which is exactly what I predicted on the last episode. And I said, you know, Northern Ireland score a rocket. That would be amazing. Um, so I got all that right. You don't have to go yeah. back and check the tapes because you no, can't. You it's not recorded anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but seriously, so- but seriously, that was a great goal. I mean, I yeah, could it was. not. Uh, um, I think McGinn plays for, I want to say... <sighs> Harnsley or like one of the championship teams if I remember correctly like I've heard the name before which is why I was like man that was one hell of a goal um he just takes it from a a angle that I didn't think he could hit it in from so but no that that, I mean so I got a question for you like as far as like it wasn't the most exciting game um but you did crank out the win the Jamaica game was (laughs) was more exciting than the youth one yeah yeah um there's more creativity um, so just, uh, I'll list you up a couple of players and just kind of tell me what you thought. Um, as far as, uh, as far as Yunus Musa and his, I guess, first real, like, Hey, this is me playing for the United States camp. How do you think Yunus did? 
I thought he did better in the Jamaica match. I thought yeah. the, the Northern Ireland match was uh, a little rough for him at mm-hmm. times. I thought he, you know, really held on to the ball too long at times and would get dispossessed. And there were some times where he was making some, you know, uh, back passes that would cause some giveaways. But overall, I mean, I really like Musa. Um, so I don't want to sound down on him. Right. But, uh, you know, when I saw people saying how great he played in the Northern Ireland game, I was a little perplexed yeah. at times. Um, look, I mean, he, he's still very young and uh, you know, he's 18. That's going to happen. You're going to have these games where you're not going to look as comfortable or you're going to – I think at times he was too comfortable, you know, holding on to the ball too long, I guess, or maybe he was indecisive. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I can't really pick his brain, but um, – you know, sometimes just dribbling. And, and I thought Pulisic did that at times too, but the it, the difference was Pulisic would somehow dribble out of it at times where I'm like, right. yep. where I'm like, Oh dude, you should have passed that earlier. And then he keeps going and I'm like, Old okay, now, now you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think Musa may have been trying some of that, that uh, just didn't pan out. But uh, I mean, other than that, um, that, that's probably my thoughts on Musa. I think he shows a lot of promise that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously I, I don't think he won a starting spot. But I mean, no, I think no. I think really even. this whole team is up in the air when you have everybody available. All right, next name. Even Stefan is not. Uh, well, I was going to say next name, Zach Stefan, because you and I were tweeting back or texting back and forth. Um, and, and I noticed something in. And we in talked the, about this on the one that yeah, lost too. That we lost. Right. <laughs> I, I was talking, you know, in that episode about the first match. It was about ten minutes. It's about around the ten minute mark. You can go back and look. Um, Stefan gets a back pass and he just completely like lets it dribble through his legs. He tries to kind of clear it, but it kind of goes through his legs, completely not focused, goes in for a corner kick. It actually ends up almost a goal because I think it's the one where he kind of just barely punches it away. Um, and, and there's times where I, I mean, uh, there was I, another pass earlier than that. Yeah, I think it was where it was, he, yep. where he uh, like almost slow, pulled an Ochoa. It yeah, was like, it was like, it was like foreshadowing what yep. was going to happen later that night. Yeah. It was like a chip shot. Um, and I think he watches cause he sits behind Ederson. So Ederson can do things that like, I'm not sure On that ball, many yeah. keepers can do. And, and that I think, you know, can have its effects, but also I think that there, there's been times where I've watched Stefan play in some cup games cause I'm a city fan and he does, he looks you know, I love I love Zach Steffen. I think that he's a great keeper. But there are there have been times recently, and I think it's just not being able to play because he just doesn't play at City. We talked about this in that non-existent pod um, where he just doesn't get experience in City, and, and he does need to go somewhere where he's going to play a lot. I, Italy would probably be a great fit for him um, playing at one of those top clubs there because I think that they're always looking for guys that could play. Um, but again, I, he looks shaky. And then Jordan, I know you saw a couple things in the Ireland match that you weren't happy with either. Um, in I the Northern Ireland like, match, yeah, it was like a that was the one where he made a pass yeah. that oh, uh, that's the one okay, I thought yeah. you were talking about Jamaica, okay, it was off. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, I was confused. Um, but yeah, yeah it was the Northern Ireland game because I immediately text my dad, like, Are you watching USA? He was like, and he read my mind, he was like, Yeah, why did Stefan wait so long to pass that? Or okay, I yeah, like, I thought you were talking about Jamaica. I was yeah. like, Thank you, dad, that's exactly yeah. my thoughts, and Man, yeah, it's just that kind of thing where it was – I'm not really sure what what to say about that. I think that part of it, again, is, is like you said, him playing behind Ederson. That's the style Pep plays. Stefan, you know, played out of the back uh, 
plays out of the back there. It's something that every team is trying to do, so you keep possession. But when you almost give away possession like that and it's going to be an easy goal, then that's that's worrisome. And I think some of it is a little bit of rust um, because he doesn't play all the time. He needs to be somewhere where he's starting every week. Um, I get people are going to say that, you know, training – he, he's playing against good players, but training and game time is totally different. And I think he needs to be somewhere where he's going to play weekly or else he could lose his starting job to somebody like Matt Turner or Ochoa when he's older. Like there, there's not, it's, he's not in written in pen. He's written in pencil for mm-hmm. me because I, I look, I, I like Zach Steffen. I, I said this on the show we lost as well, that he was a Philadelphia union you know, um, academy player for a bit. And then he went over to Germany, came back, went to the crew. Um, so I, I do like Zach Steffen a lot, but if he's, he, there's going to be times where you just have to get rid of it, boot it away. Um, and, and I think that that was one of them. And I think if he's playing somewhere else other than City, maybe he would do that. I think playing for Pep underneath Ederson he's going to try to be that on the ball uh goalkeeper that's going to have it at his feet and can do special things with it but that's not what a goalkeeper is supposed to do let's not reinvent the wheel right that is one thing that's bothering me about modern soccer is it's almost putting too much pressure on players that may not have been raised to even have those abilities because you know they never thought they would have to because they're a goalkeeper and then you start putting that on them and they get, you know, look, this is, this is one of the position that can use your hands. You don't have to use your feet as a goalkeeper. So there's no reason in having them constantly uh, play with it at their feet and pass it to the uh, defenders that is going to bring pressure onto them from a team that presses. And that's something that Honduras did with, with the uh, youth team. And we saw how that worked out. You see it on big clubs all the time as well. I mean, what was it city versus Liverpool where they had like three goals that were due to that, like yes. back to back to back. It was like, yep. maybe after the first time, look, if I do that on FIFA one time in that game, the rest of the time I, I, I start booting it. I'm like, okay, you fooled me once. I'm never letting that happen again, but it seems like, you know, either it's instructions that they're told not to, and they're like, I just have to do what I'm told, but has to be some awareness there. And I think separately, he just needs to be somewhere where he's going to be playing all the time. All right. Last two names that I want to throw out there, uh, because I think it's, it's something that the United States coming in, uh, there's still a big question mark, but I think that you did see some glimpses of an answer. Um, uh, And and that's obviously the, the, the nine spot with Sergeant DK. What what did you think of those two and their camp? And then, know how does how does that look going forward with with those two up there at top uh i think sergeant's the number one uh for for the number nine spot i think he's ahead of it i think he has better technical ability at this point and i think um than somebody like dk at this point uh dk i would put probably number two um i really liked uh uh, sipachu as well um I mean, he was okay. He wasn't like outstanding, but there was this one run of buildup in this match against Northern Ireland where Pulisic sets him free 
then he tries to back pass it to Pulisic in the middle of the box. And, uh, you know, just having that idea, having that, um, you know, forethought there to try that. Um, it didn't pay off because Pulisic wasn't fast enough and there was a Northern Ireland defender in the box there. But I, I really liked his thought there. And I thought that had some, you know, good buildup play with that. But I, I think if we're going into like an a like a World Cup qualifier or Nations League or, you know, any of the million tournaments that we're in, I think if we're whatever one we're putting our A team at, Josh Sargent is is number one. Um, then actually, then maybe Zard is, and then uh, DK. I was gonna say he's having his best year that he's had at uh, Werder Bremen um, over in Germany in Bundesliga. He's got five goals, uh, and, and I think the biggest thing I know Doyle's talked a lot about this, and that I actually did notice watching him, he's much more comfortable. It looks on balls that they put through the box and trying to get on the end of them. He, he kind of missed one because it was too far out of his reach against Jamaica. And who knows if he just slid and hit it, if it had gone in. But um, he, it looks like he does now kind of pop out and go right in front of goal as that ball is going across the face of goal. And just it, he looks like he's going to get better at being able to kind of link up and kind of just hit those with his boot. And when you can do that, I mean, that's what Aguero did for a really long time and, and was successful. If you can get those short range crosses and he's going to have guys that can deliver stuff on a platter. I mean, you saw Pulisic with the abilities that he has, man, if he can turn that back on, it would be a huge help. But Des, the way that he can put a ball in, um, McKenney, the way that he can put a ball in across goal, um, you, you've got guys that can just flat out put it in the box for a, a striker. And that's what they've always talked about was like, how, how do the United States and you've got two different varying styles. I think Sargent's much more around playing the box, whereas DK's got a hammer of a foot. So it's, you know, two different kind of styles, but I think that, I mean, look, Josh Sargent's only 20. I think people forget that too. Um, they, they, they almost act like he and Pulisic are dinosaurs because they've, they've been around longer in some of these conversations, but they're too, they're so young. Um, and, and, you know, DK's 20. So it's, they're similar in age. They're similar in the way that they can get goals uh, as far as like, not get goals, but uh, get into the box and get clear of space. Um, DK does it a little differently, obviously. Um, he's a lot bigger, but uh, again, I, I think that you're looking at a team that if they can figure it out, because DK is not one that usually tries to get on the end of passes. He's getting a little bit better, um, as you've seen with Barnsley. But uh, again, I think that they, they've kind of got this striker position. Uh, I think they're getting some some riches here where I think they thought they were pretty poor. At... Yeah. Uh, did you have any other names you said? Yeah, I've got one more. Um I think when I look at it, this one is easily the best player that, that we have. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. It's Weston McKinney and him or Tassa, but uh, what'd you make of Sergino Dest and how special he looked? Cause he, I mean, just the things that he can do. Yeah. I thought, uh, I thought Dest has been great. Um, look, he still has to work on his defensive skills, right. but what I said in the, aforementioned lost episode was I think the Reggie Cannon play and I think the Dest play and Anthony Robinson's play has led me to think it's best to put Dest on the right and have Anthony Robinson on the left or Sam Vines whoever takes up that spot um, 
in the future. I th- still think that spot's a toss-up. Um, I think, yes, he was effective on the left against Jamaica and even cut in on his right foot and scored a goal, which is great. But I think Reggie Cannon wasn't fully ready for that match, or I'm not sure what it was, but he wasn't playing great. I'm not sure how his spell's been going at Boa Vista. I think there's been some times where he hasn't been starting there. Um, so who knows? I mean, I didn't get – look, Brian Reynolds came on. I, I didn't get to see too much from him. Like, we really didn't see much at all, right? It was probably like 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Brian his, Reynolds coming on. On his birthday. Birthday yeah. boy. So. Uh, uh, or Chris Richards. No, it's it Chris Richards. It's Chris Richards' I kept birthday, mix, right? I yeah. keep – yeah, we the, the broadcast kept mixing it up, and it screwed me all up. <laughs> I was tweeting, like, birthday boy's coming on, and it wasn't his birthday. <laughs> I was wondering. I think I saw the tweet. I was like, yeah, was wait, Richards. is it? I don't know. Yeah. Did you delete it? Yeah, I did because I was embarrassed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that uh, you know, I think Des is locked down the right side. It is good though that he can play the left if needed. If Brian Reynolds does come up or Reggie Cannon come up and maybe Robinson falls off or you know Sam Vines falls off, then you, you do have that option and that's cool. But I think right now I'd rather have Des on the right. Uh. I think that if wherever he's more comfortable and he said he's comfortable at both, but you know, I, I think he plays in and out, you know, on the right side for Barca every single week that I think I would rather him be there. I got one more name. Never mind. Greg Berhalter. How do you think he's done in his stint so far? And kind of what did you see? I mean, he switches formations. It was more of like a, I don't know. It was more of like a three, five, it looks like a three, five, two ish um, mm-hmm. with, with some of those wing backs. Right. He, I think he had Anthony Robinson and, and Des. Uh, I think they called forward. it a three, four, three. Did they really? Uh, that's what I thought I heard on the yeah. broadcast, but yeah. it's look, it's the perfect time to do it. I think sometimes people get too wrapped up in friendly wins and, losses that they uh look <laughs> perfect example Jurgen Klinsmann was manager what 2016 and we won against the Netherlands and uh Italy I think it was like back to back over in Europe it did nothing for the national team we didn't qualify for the world cup after that so it's not so much about you know Winning against a scrap, you know, winning scrappily in a friendly against the Netherlands or something where Bobby Wood scores a winner. It's about getting practice in real game time situations with players, getting them in game time situations and making adjustments to any sort of uh, formations you're doing. So the fact is that, uh, you know, you have the, um, you have your usual four three three formation, and now you also have this one in your back pocket that did pretty well. It wasn't terrible, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible either. So you know, like you have that where you're like, okay, if we keep trying this one out too, we can get better at that. And for some teams, we can use this one now, and for some teams, we can use our normal one. And that's what those are for. If we would have lost or drawn, it wouldn't have mattered. You have to look at how the players are playing on the field. Uh, you know, and, and trying out these formations and such. Because when else are you going to try out a formation? You try them out in friendlies because you're not going to try it out during World Cup qualifying. Uh, you want to have all that stuff sorted out. And you have Nations League coming up 
and you also have the gold cup coming up. You don't have a lot of times to tinker with that either. So I think it was a great time to do it. I think he, like I said, in the Christ conversation, I think he instills confidence in these players. I think all the players love him. He's been able to get players like Musa and Dest to commit to this team. See about you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's big because you, you need that guy who's going to bring these players over, but you also need him to have the confidence in these players. And I think, I think these players have all the confidence world. They love hanging out together. He's calling in the right players. I feel at this point, uh, you know, he's, he's still been limited at times on what players he can have at his disposal since he took the job, uh, whether due to injuries or club issues or COVID issues. Um, I don't get why some people hate him. It is what it is. Uh, But for me, I think this was an A-plus camp from Greg Berhalter. 100% agree. I I just love how much of a player coach he is. Um, That's a big thing with this generation. You you don't have to be their best friend, but they do need – this generation plays better with with, with coaches that really tend to be – you know, concerned about their feelings, concerned about, you know, getting them into the side and, and really caring. I mean, Berhalter's mentioned it a couple of times where he's, he's watched games of these guys that, I mean, he's staying up late at night or early in the morning and, and watching some of these guys play and, and recording games so he can go back and watch some of the guys play and, and knows their systems and knows what they're playing in and how they can kind of work that into the system that he wants to play. And like you said, I think that that arsenal of formations is great because you might play a team that is more attack minded, whereas there might be another team that tends to sit a little bit deeper and waits for the counter. Uh, and you can play different formations depending on what you think is a better fit. But like you said, you can just tell after the game he went up to see that you um, and, and hugged him again. And, and after the first cap that he had with. Uh, within Jamaica, he hugged him and, and he, I don't know if you knew this, but Sebatu doesn't really speak English at all. Um, and he goes up and he asks, I think he asks 